You're listening to the Flow on Effect podcast, a podcast that is intended to educate women about pelvic floor and pregnancy-related conditions, presented by two physiotherapists, Charlotte and Heidi, who specialise in the area of pelvic floor and are based in Sydney's Sutherland Shire. Materials and content in this podcast are intended as general information only and should not be substituted for individualised medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Hey guys, welcome back to our podcast. Today, Heidi's going to talk to us about the pelvic floor muscles and why they are so important. So Heidi, what is the role of the pelvic floor and why is it so important? So the pelvic floor muscles are a sling of muscles that sit at the base of the pelvis and they've got three main roles. So firstly, their role is to hold up the pelvic organs inside of the pelvis. So your bladder, your uterus and your bowel. Um, secondly, they are really important for maintaining continence, so urinary and fecal incon- well, continence, not incontinence. And thirdly, they aid in sexual function. Okay, so is there just one pelvic floor muscle? No, so there's heaps of muscles in the pelvis that make up your pelvic floor. And so there's two main kind of parts to the pelvic floor. So there's a superficial pelvic floor and then there's your deep pelvic floor muscles. So your superficial muscles are the muscles that are really around the entrance or around kind of the the most external part of the pelvic floor. And your deep pelvic floor are the muscles that actually lift or kind of create that lift when you do your pelvic floor squeezes. And they're both equally as important? Yes, definitely. Both really, really important that you get both that squeeze around the entrance and also that lift. So both of those parts of the pelvic floor are working. Okay, so is that how you normally teach women to do their pelvic floor? Do you have any specific cues that kind of work best? So the research tells us that the majority of women respond really well to a cue of tightening around the rectum. So that's kind of the first cue that we'll use in the clinic um, to try and get women to squeeze their pelvic floor correctly. Um, But when we're palpating the muscles, if we can't feel that that's the correct squeeze, then we might use different cues. Like we might get them to pretend that they're trying to think about stopping wind or stopping wee. Um, And then if we can't get it that way, then we might use different analogies. Some people, some women are really visual in their approach. Um, and we can use analogies like if we're holding a pebble and we drop that pebble into water, you would see the ripples kind of go out to the side. But then if you play that in reverse, you would see the ripples kind of coming in and then the pebble drawing back up to my hand where I dropped it from. And so the pelvic floor should be doing that kind of reverse. So that ripples kind of coming back in is your your superficial pelvic floor muscle squeezing and then the pebble lifting back up to my hand is that deep pelvic floor working. And other sort of um, cues that we might use, we might, if women have used tampons before, we might use the cue of sort of trying to draw up the tampon. Um, those sorts of things can can help. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is a lot of women are told not to squeeze their bottom muscles, which is really correct, but then they get confused with not squeezing the rectum, which yeah. is actually the most important part. Right of the pelvic floor do you find that yeah definitely although I guess when we're first sort of trying to get women to squeeze their pelvic floor if they're really struggling we kind of don't mind how much they actually compensate as long as they can get get some pelvic floor switching on yeah and what are some things that women do incorrectly that you see in the clinic Um, We don't often see this, but sometimes we'll see women pushing out instead of pulling in. So we really want that drawing in and up of the pelvic floor. We don't want a pushing out. 
Um, sometimes we see women do the, just the squeeze without the lift. Um, so just using their superficial muscles, but not engaging their deep muscles. And it's really important that women can hold their pelvic floor without holding their breath. So it's really common that we'll actually see them breath holding rather than being able to kind of continue to breathe while they're squeezing their pelvic floor. And I guess that's why it's so important for women to have a internal pelvic floor check mm. so that if they are doing those things wrong, then the women's health physio can kind of fix what they're doing yeah because externally on ultrasound we can see a lift of the pelvic floor but there's no way of us knowing what sort of grade that is whether the pelvic floor is sitting high tone or whether it's starting from a relaxed position um yeah the easiest way for us to assess that is internally with our finger on that muscle to make sure that we can accurately assess that that's doing the right thing yeah and how can you strengthen your pelvic floor? So what are the ways that you tell women to strengthen the muscles? So we always just start with pelvic floor exercises. So without any um, weights or any devices. Um, so if we assess someone to be able to squeeze their pelvic floor, we can time how long they can hold that contraction for. And so based on that, we'll give them a set of exercises um, to complete. So that's one thing that we'll do. If they're already at a pretty good level of strength and we're trying to either tighten the area or just get that strength really, really high, then we might use other things like weights or balls or cones, which are devices that are inserted into the vagina and designed to make the muscles work in different ways. So sometimes they're designed to more strengthen the endurance fibers of the muscle because quite often we're getting women to squeeze and hold but if their pelvic floor isn't able to cope with sort of a low baseline level of tone for a long, longer period, then putting the cones in, we can get them to kind of walk around with it in for 10 to 15 minutes where their body's able to, pelvic floor is able to work and control and keep that cone inside. Um, that's a way of building up that endurance capacity of the muscle. And then, yeah, weights and balls, same sort of thing, inserting something into the vagina and then you're adding additional weights to make the muscles work harder. So I guess it's just like if you were at the gym and you were doing body weight exercises and then started to add weight. Yeah. So different. Literally. Yeah. Same, same um, principles of strength training with your pelvic floor compared to any other muscle in the body, really. Yeah. Um, and so the pelvic floor educator is also another device that we might use um, to try and help someone strengthen their pelvic floor. And it's usually when they've got quite a low squeeze. Um, so when we're grading their squeeze, they might only be a one out of five or a two out of five. And it helps them. So the device goes into the vagina, but it's got a like a probe, I guess you call yeah, it. Yeah, like a long like stick Yeah, um, that comes out that they can actually see in front of them. And so it gives them really good feedback as to whether they're doing the squeeze correctly because they'll actually see movement of the stick. Um, and so they'll actually be able to see once their squeeze is kind of fatiguing that the stick will, will start to hover or flicker. Um, and that's a really good way of having some visual feedback to what you're doing because some women really struggle to kind of feel when they're on or when they're off or they can feel the initial squeeze, but they can't actually feel the letting go. So it's really good to have that visual feedback. Yeah. And then there's just another couple of devices that we might sometimes use. So the Perifit or the LV. 
Um, they're, again, devices that go inside the vagina, but these ones more have um, like feedback that you connect them to your phone. They're kind of Bluetooth so that you can either play games with them or you can see your numbers on your phone as you're squeezing and letting go. So again, really good to have that visual feedback for some women to encourage them or give them motivation to continue with their exercises. Yeah, they actually make it fun. It's like a video game yeah. for your vagina, pretty much. <laughs> All right, so that's how we do pelvic floor strengthening. So how often does this need to be done? What do you tell women? So initially when we start strength training, we try and do it all in one go and every single day. So we get women to do three sets of 10 repetitions where they're doing their holds for whatever we've um, assessed them to be able to hold in the clinic. Um, And that might be in sitting, it might be lying down, it might be in standing, all sorts of different positions, but generally they're doing them at the end of the day, once a day in a full set to try and fatigue their pelvic floor. Like they would any other muscle in the gym, you'd be doing three sets of 10, repetitions to for strength training so same sort of principles in terms of pelvic floor yeah and then once we kind of have done our reviews and we feel like functionally their pelvic floor is doing exactly what we need it to do their symptoms of whatever they've come in for would be improving and we're happy that they're at a really good strength level we don't want them to stop doing their exercises completely because they're likely to kind of go backwards and start feeling their symptoms again. So we want to continue to do those exercises about three times a week. So ideally on alternate days. So you'd pick, tell them, or they can decide what day works best for them. So whether it's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, that they do their pelvic floor exercises and they just kind of continue to do that, to manage their symptoms and make sure that they don't start to come back. Yep. And so you mentioned before the kind of grading system. How exactly do kind of you get a measure of your pelvic floor? So we internally assess um, with our finger and that gives us a an indication of what the pelvic floor muscles is, are doing. And so we grade the pelvic floor from zero to five. So zero is if we put our finger on the muscle and we can't feel a thing. One is when we can feel like a flicker of the contraction. A two is when we can feel a squeeze, but we can't feel the lift. And then it goes up to a three where we can feel a lift and a squeeze. And then a four and a five are just stronger versions of that against more resistance from us while they're trying to do that squeeze. So that's kind of the most common way that pelvic floor is assessed but it can be more accurately assessed using a peritron, which is a probe that can either go vaginally or it can go rectally, and we can get a number value of a pelvic floor squeeze by inserting the probe, getting the woman to squeeze their pelvic floor, and we'll see the numbers on the screen go up to a certain level, and then we can see to the number exactly where they're able to squeeze to. Which is really good feedback for them to have that number that they have to get to. Yes. I find. And then it's motivation for when they come back, they want to see that those numbers have improved with doing their exercises. Um, So that's really helpful. And the Peritron's also really good for taking resting tone measures as well. So not only testing the squeeze pressure, but actually just seeing how tight and um, or loose the muscles are at rest. And that's really important for other, other reasons. So do you always do the probe vaginally and rectally or do you kind of pick one? How does that work? 
more often than not vaginally, but it depends what they're actually coming in with symptom-wise. So if someone's coming in with fecal incontinence or they're um, not able to keep wind in or they've had a really bad um, like third or fourth degree tear post-birth, then we're more likely to assess them rectally. Um, But if they've got no rectal symptoms, then we'll do vaginal probe. Yeah, because it just gives a different number for the different muscles. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's all well and good if someone can squeeze their pelvic floor, but what if they are a grade zero and we can't feel anything? So the first thing, you know, we'll go through all the different cues, we'll try and get something to work, but if it's not working, um, we'll quite often send them home and get them to try, the next time they go to the toilet to urinate, we'll get them to sit down and see if they can actually stop the flow or try and slow the flow of urine while they're actually going to the toilet. Um, which is an objective way of us trying to see if they can um, squeeze their pelvic floor. It's not a great exercise to be doing all the time. So we just get them to do it either once a day or even once a week. Um, Sometimes it's helpful to try and do that while you're sitting on the toilet so that you can actually find that connection from your brain to those muscles. Um, So that's the first thing we'll do. Um, we'll go back to using the pelvic floor educator that we talked about before, which is that internal device that has that stick that you can see, because sometimes women just really struggle with kind of being able to feel what they're meant to be doing Yeah. and having that visual feedback of the stick. Sometimes if they're looking at the stick and they try and contract their pelvic floor, that can be a way to try and sort of get things started. And they should see like the stick point down and move rather than like coming up. Then coming up. Yeah. Pushing out. Yeah. Um, And then if that's all not working, then we can do um, electrical stimulation of the pelvic floor muscles. Um, So we do that internally with an internal um, vaginal probe that is connected to a machine. And so you turn up the machine until they can actually feel that it stimulates their pelvic floor muscles. So they actually feel them contract. Um, And if they do that for a number of weeks consistently, then we can quite often get sort of a grade one to a grade two or a grade zero to a grade one. Um, And then we kind of just keep working through the range until we're up to a level that they can squeeze with the machine and then they can squeeze without the machine. Yeah. And kind of work from there. And what if that doesn't help? So as a last resort, um, there is a thing called an Esmiller chair, which there's kind of not a lot of research behind it, which is why we're a bit hesitant to um, suggest that women try this out. But if we've tried everything in the clinic and nothing is working, then women can go and sit on this chair, which essentially does um, e-stim, but externally that then goes internally. So you actually sit on this chair Um, And I think you sit on it for like 30 minutes or so. Um, It's just really, really expensive. And for there being not a lot of research as to whether or not it works, it's just a huge financial investment for potentially potentially good outcomes, but also potentially no change in symptoms. And it's something that you've got to do really consistently um, from from what we know. Um, So, yeah, I kind of recommend that if we can't feel any type of pelvic floor contraction has not worked yeah all right so what symptoms might someone experience if they have weakness in the pelvic floor so symptoms of urinary or fecal incontinence so they might get leaking with a cough or a sneeze they might get leaking with jumping or running 
Um, they might be yeah, leaking fecally um, or have an inability to keep wind in. So they might feel like wind is escaping without their control. And then they can get symptoms of prolapse, which is quite different. So more of a heaviness sensation vaginally or feeling like there's a bulge there in the vagina. And then they can also have a reduced sensation with sex when the pelvic floor is quite weak and loose. Yeah. So that's if their pelvic floor is weak. Can their pelvic floor muscles be too strong? They can't really be too strong. But if they are really strong, they can actually be... The only issue with that is that they can be too tight in some instances. So they can be more that they're squeezing too much and too often, um, that their pelvic floor is actually overactive, which can then sort of start to generate pelvic pain. Um, But yeah, not in a way that, you know, we test someone and they're a grade five and we're concerned about that. It's just, you know, the muscle has to be able to contract really well, but it also has to be able to relax well to be functionally good. So how strong do they need to be then? Like, does, do people need to be a grade five? Are we aiming for that? No, so we're actually aiming for generally, it depends on what, how old the woman is, what she's doing for work, um, if she's working, exercise-wise, what she's doing, is she heavy lifting, all those sorts of things come into it. Um, we're wanting the squeeze to be generally at least a grade three. That makes it a functional squeeze where they can get a good lift and a good squeeze. Um, but yeah, it just has to be strong enough to cope with what you're doing day to day and without letting you get any of those symptoms that we just talked about, like leaking and, and things like that. So, you know, it's different if someone's a CrossFitter and they're training every single day versus someone who's quite happy to walk for exercise and has no heavy lifting that they've got to do for work or in their daily activity. Yeah. Okay, so then if they do have an overactive pelvic floor, what are some of the symptoms of that? So pelvic pain is really common and we'll get women that come in um, complaining of, yeah, pain in the pelvis and in the pelvic floor muscles. And they can also get dyspronia, which is pain with intercourse. That's really common for women who have really overactive tight pelvic floor muscles. And then they can also get incomplete emptying of their bladder and bowel. So the pelvic floor needs to be able to relax for you to empty your bladder and for you to empty your bowels. Um, But if their pelvic floor is really tight, it will quite often let go, but then it will come back on really quickly and come on too quickly um, and in a way that you're not able to completely empty empty their bladder. And so then they can come in with urinary frequency and all sorts of other symptoms that are related to their pelvic floor being too tight. Yeah. So what does physio do about that if someone's pelvic floor is too tight? So the first thing we work on is the relationship kind of between the diaphragm and your pelvic floor muscles. So when you're belly breathing or diaphragmatically breathing, your diaphragm should naturally kind of descend and then come back up in your normal breaths during the day and overnight. Um, And that naturally has a, when you breathe in, your diaphragm descends and that kind of pushes your pelvic floor down a little bit and not in a bad way, just in a way that it actually gets its normal relax phase. And then when the diaphragm contracts and it squeezes and lifts back up, your pelvic floor then comes back up as well. So that should normally happen with normal breathing. Um, But when women are real kind of upper chest breathers, they quite often will have 
really limited movement in their diaphragm and then their pelvic floor will just sit on all the time and not actually get that relaxed phase. So we spend a lot of time kind of going through some breathing exercises to practice that, to try and help the pelvic floor let go. And then if that's not working, and sometimes in conjunction with some of those breathing exercises, we'll do internal pelvic floor releases. And we can also teach women how to do those releases themselves using a pelvic wand. So they'll go home and use the wand internally to try and release their pelvic floor muscles. And that would be more than likely in conjunction with some contract relax exercises and some hip stretches and pelvic floor stretches um, to try and release the whole area. Yep, so there's lots that can be done. Yeah. So that wraps up this week's podcast on all things pelvic floor. So if you have anything that you'd like us to talk about, just reach out to us on our socials. See ya. Bye.